Hey guys, it's your host, Avery Carl with The Short-Term Shop, and I'm really excited to dive into the broken bow market with you guys. We've got 10 episodes on everything you need to know about investing in short-term rentals in broken bow. A couple notes that I wanna give you guys before we get started. Any up-to-date purchase prices or income numbers on this market, you can find on our website, theshorttermshop.com. And if you're ready to buy with us in any of the 20 markets that we work in, not just Broken Bow, if you want to work with one of our agents in any of those markets, you can email us at agents at theshorttermshop.com. Be sure to follow us on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook at The Short Term Shop. And of course, join our Facebook group. It's called Short Term Rental Long Term Wealth. It's just me and 60,000 of my closest friends in there talking about short-term rentals all day, every day. Again, if you need anything from us, you can email us at agents at theshorttermshop.com. Let's dive into Broken Bow. Hey guys, welcome back to the Short Term Show special episode series. We're on episode three of Broken Bow. Today, we are going to talk about income and numbers. We are not going to talk about expenses. Those are going to be on the next episode. But today, we are talking about all things income with some very familiar faces. If you've listened to not only this series, but other series on other markets that we have, we've got Kathy, our expert agent in Broken Bow. You want to introduce yourself really quick, Kathy, even though they're familiar with you? Kathy Craig, I work in Broken Bow. I have um, multiple SDRs of my own and 25 long term. So been doing this a long time and I love Broken Bow. We have a great time up here. All right. And next we have the Airbnb data guy, John Bianchi here to talk through the data with us. So John, do you want to introduce yourself to those who may not be familiar with you yet? Sure thing. Uh, again, always thanks for having me here. I always appreciate it. But uh, for anyone who doesn't know me, I'm John Bianchi, the Airbnb data guy. I am the head of data for Techvester. Uh, which is a short-term rental investment fund, the largest one in America. And uh, we have bought 120 properties in the past 18 months. 72 of those we have live and 72 for 72 are cash flow positive, uh, good properties. So we have we have not missed as of yet. Uh, and additionally, I also have uh, my own Airbnb data consulting business coming out with the software and have three free Airbnb data courses on YouTube as well. Strongly recommend everyone to check those out. Awesome. Thank you very much. So today we're going to talk about numbers, but before we do that, we're going to touch on uh, analysis just very quickly for those of you who are not familiar with um, analyzing short-term rentals. So uh, typically the metric that is used most often when it comes to analyzing short-term rentals is cash on cash return. And that can be a number of things, but typically it is going to be the amount of money that you put into a deal up front. So that's your down payment, your closing costs, uh, any rehab costs that you do versus the amount of money that you have in your bank account at the end of the year, after all your mortgages are paid, after all expenses and expressed as a percentage. So that's going to be your cash on cash return. That's typically what we look at when we are measuring the performance of short-term rentals. We're going to talk mostly about income today. So um, it can be a true apples to apples comparison because once you start looking at cash on cash returns of properties, they are very subjective to how much somebody puts down, what their interest rate is, uh, what type of loan they're getting, things like that, all the way down to just slight differences in management. So in order to keep everything um, apples to apples, we're just going to talk mainly about income. So um, John, without further ado, would you like to kind of give us an overview of what you found in the data for Broken Bow, Oklahoma? Sure. Um, so I'm super intrigued by Broken Bow. 
Uh, I find it just as, you know, a Canadian and somebody who's never been there just to see all of these new builds that are going into Broken Bow and like how beautiful the properties are is, is extremely interesting. So the, the revenue as well is uh, also interesting because of that. There's obviously a lot of money to be made in that specific area. Uh, and I'm just going to start off by saying that I think this is going to be like the the next Gatlinburg in a sense where people will are. How do I mean that? There's still a lot of room for improvement with these properties in comparison to what you see in Gatlinburg. And so what I mean by that is that, you know, at one point, someone in Gatlinburg put an indoor pool into their property. And then everybody started putting indoor pools into the properties because they saw that it drove up revenue. And then they were starting to do all these different little things. And you would like add a movie theater. Then you see other people add movie theaters and you'd see all these different little things kind of trickle in around the amenities side. So, but beyond just the home, it would also be the, just the amenities. And I feel like this market lacks amenities and is something that you will see a lot more of over time as people get smarter and smarter and try and outdo their competition as time continue, continues to go on. So that's one little insight that doesn't necessarily have to do with the numbers. But in my opinion, I think that there's room for improvement um, with what you would see here. Now, what I always do whenever I'm looking into these markets, and this is actually something I started developing for this podcast, and it turns out to be extremely beneficial. Um, that I take all the revenue for the area and I break it up by the bedroom count and I kind of put them in order side by side where I'm just looking at the revenue of how much all the three bedrooms make, how much do all the two bedrooms make, right? And the interesting thing that always tends to happen is that you you can see that one bedroom count actually outperforms another bedroom count when you wouldn't think that would be the case, right? So without a doubt, the three bedrooms within this area are performing extremely well, like for, for the size of their property, they're performing extremely well. Now, mind you, there's the most of the properties are three bedrooms. However, the most of these three bedrooms are outperforming the four bedrooms, which is just to me like a super clear indicator that why would you go for a four bedroom if a three bedroom could do almost the exact same amount of revenue, right? That's Especially really interesting. Way- I, and I don't want to interrupt you, but no worries, yeah. I've seen in other markets sometimes that a three bedroom can be kind of like a no man's land. Like it only makes a little bit more than a two bed, but a four bed makes a lot more. So it's opposite here. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Which is... Do you, Kathy, you seem like you got something to say? Okay. So this is really interesting about Broken Bow. Um, Broken Bow is a little bit of a uh, time warp. uh, Oklahoma is a little bit of a time warp technology wise where realtors are concerned. Um, I am an Oklahoman. I'm from here, but I did live in Houston for 28 years. So one of the largest markets in the country. When you see a three bedroom, you have to really look because the three bedrooms, I would say 50 or 60% of the time are a three bedroom with a loft with bunk beds. In, so I, they'll I, list it as a three bedroom, but it really has a whole beds. other room with bunk beds. So would that gotcha. be happening with the two bedrooms as well? Because because technically, because what is likely happening here is that these are two bedroom homes with a loft and they're turning it into loft into a bunk bedroom. And then um, they're showing up as three bedrooms on Airbnb. It can That's happen, probably honestly, what's happening. It, it, oh, go ahead. It can honestly happen anyway, but what, what I see happening is people, yeah, I mean, it, it can't, yeah, it, that could be happening. I mean, I think it happens at every stage. Every stage, yeah. It, okay, it happens so, at every stage. Okay. So this is an important thing to remember then, I think, because this happens in several of our mountain markets where it'll be listed as like a two or a three because maybe the septic smaller or they're not counting that extra loft area as a bedroom. So when you put it on Airbnb, like I own several like this where they're 
technically a one bedroom on the MLS, but on Airbnb, they're actually two bedrooms. So you're saying, Kathy, that when we're looking on the MLS, we need to make sure that we're looking at all sleeping areas to make sure it might be listed as a three bed, but it might actually sleep like a four bed, which would then be showing up as a four bed on John's data or a two bed showing up. It's the MLS where they do not put it, where you have to like really, really read it because you'll see something that I have a lot of clients that will pass something up that that they think is a two bedroom. It's really sleeps a lot more than that, or yeah. you know yeah. something else. Because yeah. we're you know we we have a lot of things that most people don't. So. Yep. That so that actually doesn't surprise me even a little bit, especially after looking at um, all of the properties you have. There's so many two bedrooms that are like two thousand square feet, and even one bedrooms that are that are over a thousand square feet. It's like they're these massive properties for the amount of bedrooms that they're that they have, and also on top of that broken bow is in my opinion the like leading location for bunk bed game rooms so if you were to look in all of these properties there's so many of them there where they have all these stacked up bunk beds that are built into the wall and then they'll have a game room right beside that right and it's super interesting i think it's a great use of space it makes a lot of sense and that is probably the lofted general area kind of what you're referring to that they're able to turn into another sleeping area So that's even more interesting because um, one other thing that I noticed when I was going through this is that the two bedrooms were roughly the same price as the three bedrooms, right? And so now, like if you were to go and you were to look at all the different properties that are out there, there's a big range, right? So like I just looked at all the three bedrooms, sorry, I just looked at the two bedrooms and they can go for a million or they can go for like 500,000. And there's a ton of properties in between there. And then the three bedrooms are kind of in that same sort of range as well, uh, with there just being more options for over a million dollars. Uh, however, if you're telling me that, you know, a lot of these two bedrooms come with a lofted space that could be turned into a three bedroom in, on Airbnb, then the reality is that the two bedrooms that are for sale, that could be three bedrooms that are roughly the same price as a, a regular three bedroom already would technically be the best thing. And then if you can convert it into that, uh, three bedroom, right? Is that making sense? Right. What I'm saying? Yeah. Or it could yeah. already be like, I mean, it's, it's the way they're listing it on MLS. You have to really talk to, you know, you have to talk to me and we have to really look at it because sometimes they won't even listen in the descriptions. It's just in the picture. So people are passing up things that are just super great deals because the MLS hasn't listed it or the agent hasn't listed it correctly. So you can have a three bedroom that's really a four. You could sleep like a four or a two that you could sleep like a three. It's really an individual kind of thing. And then of course there's the one bedrooms, which I'm sure you'll get to, but I mean, it's it's a it's it's the kind of market where there's so much opportunity because uh, it's like it's like uh, the you know an MLS listing that has horrible pictures, but it's really gorgeous in person, right? That's your deal because nobody's looking yeah. at it. And so yeah. there's a lot of things like that here where people are just scooping up things because you know, and that's why I tell clients, look, I'm going to send you. I know you want a three bedroom, but the ones that I send you can sleep like a three bedroom, you know, don't discard it because we yeah. can, you know, really make it work. Yeah. That'd be the inefficiency within the market, which is something that I always like to look for. Right. Um, yeah. And kind of to con- to continue on that. So um, that is that I'm glad we cleared that up right off the bat, because that is uh, something I find super interesting about this market, uh, especially with the new builds and the way they're built and, and like how the size that they're built. Right. So there's there there's that opportunity there. 
Um, I've got a lot of other little things that I kind of noticed about the market. So one being that almost all of the properties are secluded. It seems like every single property that is, you know, performing well or whatnot is in its own space. It's got the forest around it in some sort of way, which just kept showing up over and over and over again with a lot of the properties I was looking at. Um, and then, but then on top of that, a lot of these people were not actually maximizing their backyards. They were, they, most of the Airbnb listings I was seeing had fairly boring backyards in them. To be honest, I actually find Broken Bow to be a fairly complicated market due to how nice the homes are built. Um, and so what I mean by that is you have all these brand new builds and they're great pieces of property, right? And usually what tends to happen when you have these beautiful properties in these beautiful areas is that you get people with money who don't want to actually manage the properties, but they tend to just buy the properties and have somebody else manage them for them, right? And so then now what you have are a good amount of people who are not managing their property like an individual owner would be, right? Because individual owners tend to put way more into it, especially people who don't have a ton of money. They put a lot of more love into that property and it tends to perform a little bit better, right? And so what you end up having is you have a property that is maybe a, an older looking property or or not as nice as a property outperforming these absolutely beautiful new builds that look like they should just be absolutely should be absolutely crushing it, right? This is something that I notice as I'm going through the data. I'm like, I, I'll be going through and I'd be like, this home is so nice. It's a brand, you know, brand new build. It, it looks beautiful. It seems to have all the things you would want it to have, but it's not hitting the numbers that this other home, which is not um as as much of a new build, but it's it's clearly outperforming. And you can, and once you see this enough times, you've gone through enough data, enough information, enough different markets, you start to realize that. There's there's these underlying reasons behind why this is happening. It's likely due to the way it's being managed, the way it's being priced, the way it's being promoted, those different things that's causing that to happen. And the reason I'm pointing this out right now is because other people are going to go into this market and take a look at all this data and they're going to go, well, if I don't have this multi-million dollar new build, I'm not going to be able to uh, hit the numbers that I want to be able to hit, right? Which I don't think is going to be the case in this area. I think it's more of just understanding that there's not a lot of people that are providing a extremely uh, curated experience for the people that are going to be going to this area and that you could take a slightly more affordable home and give that same experience or a heightened experience to these people, even though it's not a brand new build. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes. So you're saying that the performance is as subjective to how well it's managed as it is to the quality of the property itself, which we tell our clients a lot of times that the rental history doesn't necessarily mean anything because if it's being managed by one of these big old dinosaur property management companies that isn't optimizing it the way it should be, or just you know a person who isn't optimizing it the way that it should be, that those numbers will not reflect the potential of the property. Exactly. Yes. And so it, that, it, go ahead. That is... A hundred percent correct and broken boat. It up until a few years ago was pretty much all property management companies and they are dinosaurs and they've been there a very long time and they set it and forget it. And so there is a ton of upside for people that want to put a little love into it, whether it is lights or swings in the backyard or everything pretty much has a fire pit and a hot tub. But people are starting right. to put in circle swings and, you know, cool gyms, jungle gyms outside and stuff for kids, um, lots of outdoor areas. So it, there is a ton of upside for people because 
the, just the personalization of the property and paying attention to it, our STS clients have done extraordinarily well with that. Just putting a little love into it has made a huge difference. Yeah. So to, to kind of add on to that, right? Um, some things I notice is, you know, these bunk bed game rooms that I was referring to, most of them are for kids. And if you were to look at them, they look like they're for adults. They look like these sort of staged home kind of boring looking game rooms that a, a kid would look at that not get excited, right? There's almost, there's no color to it. There's no uh, like kid things in the game room. It's just more of like this adult sort of setup, but in a, in a bunk bed a room for kids, it just doesn't make logical sense. Right. Um, and then another thing I noticed was that a lot of these properties were like everybody, everybody shows off the, what their property looks like from the front and this new build with the lights and how beautiful it looks, which is very similar to what you would see if you'd go on the MLS. And then they also show off the interior. Like, look, look at our kitchen, look at our high ceilings in the living room. And I, I look at this and I'm like, everybody has this and, but nobody's showing off all of the entertainment and fun and amenities that you're going to get from staying at that place. Right. There's no, like if everybody has a brand new build, there's no competitive advantage to having a brand new build. Right. It's almost like showing off that you, you're like, Hey, guess what? I have a kitchen. It's like every single Airbnb has a kitchen. Why are you highlighting that as like the main feature? It's like show off what is actually going to be interesting and a competitive advantage about your property that's going to allow you to perform a little bit better. Um, so anyways, that was one of the things that I noticed about this market. I know that's not directly tied to, you know, what are the numbers for this prop for this market, but it's a, it's affecting the numbers in this market. And that's why I'm kind of spending a lot of time talking about it uh, right now. Right. So anyway, yeah, we go quickly ahead. define new build because everything in broken bow is new sort of, um, right. there are some homes that were built in the 1990s, and I mean, we've been there for 150 years, but um, the the ones that were built in the 60s, 70s, 80s, they've, those have all been torn down. So pretty much everything that you look at in Broken Boat is going to be 2005 and above. So it, it's, hmm. you know, newer when you look at other markets. So, you know, it doesn't have to be, there are a lot of new builds for sure, a lot of those new builds are in the wrong area. They're an area 10 miles out of town, which we'll get to that. But, you know, well, it doesn't have to be a new build in Broken Bay. Actually, that's a good question. Uh, uh, what you said, 10 miles out of town. W it, the uh, I'm going to get this wrong. I know it. Hoochatown? Is that? <laughs> Hoochatown. Hoochatown. Okay, that was, better than, that was better than yesterday. <laughs> it's Hocha Town. Hocha? It's Hocha. Okay, Hocha. Um, is that, would that be considered 10 miles out of town or would that be considered where to be? Yeah. So let me ex explain how this works. So if you're looking at a map, you'll see um, a, a two there's 259, which runs through the middle of everything, kind of like a Branson, Missouri type, right in the middle. And then you'll see a 259A, which is a circle that goes to the east that is goes through the lake area, okay? Um, Hochatown is actually, if you think of it this way, Hochatown used to be where the lake is, okay? It was covered up when they built the lake, okay? So Hochatown is really right there on 259 where the lake is. It, it all has a broken bow address. Everything does. Hochitown was just recently incorporated. So everything is really broken bow as far as an address yeah. is concerned. Hochitown yeah. now has its, it's going to get its own zip code, but Hochitown is right in the middle. Okay. Yeah. So Hochitown is right where that 259A circle is. Okay. Yeah. When I say 10 miles out, 
if you go 10 miles, so there's a lot of neighborhoods that are on something called Carter Mountain, East Carter Mountain, West Carter Mountain. Those are nine to 10 miles from that 259A area, right at that split. And that's where the casino is going to be. Okay. The ones that are that far up, which it doesn't seem like it's a long ways, but there's nothing up there. So the issue that we're, that's, starting to happen is that because we're because it's so far and there's nothing up there with traffic it's taking 30 to 45 minutes to get to right so our focus really is more in the center for my clients the SES clients in more in the center unless you just prefer to be you know way out there because there's literally and the roads are rough off of 259 in that area so it's it's a rougher, uh, they're beautiful. They're all new builds, but it is a rougher, you know, area. Yeah, Gotcha. So the reason, the reason that I asked about that is because, uh, pretty well every single property that's doing over $150,000 is in the, uh, Hocha town area. So like they're almost all in that general space right there. So So it's probably that Hocha town area that envelops everything. It's kind of like the Smokies where the Sevierville dot on the map is like way up here, but Sevierville unincorporated like envelops Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg. So even if stuff is like one step outside of the city limits of Gatlinburg, it's going to have a Sevierville address, even though it's not actually in Sevierville. So I think it's kind of the same thing here. It is. Everything is Hocha town. Everything is broken by. It is the same thing. Yeah. Where that, that. The the two fifty nine A that sort of split that you're talking about there, like that's yeah. kind of what I'm referring to. Where the that yeah. that's the general spot that I'm I'm trying to say, like right to the left of the lake. Let's put it that way. If you're looking at a map, right. So it's within. It's typically within uh, three to four miles northeast, south, and west. Just a circle, right there. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 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 All right. Cool. Um, so those is interesting, you know, I mean, for me as an outsider looking in and I look at the, I look at the area and I can see that all of the higher performing properties right there. It's like, well, I'm just going to look there. You know what I mean? I'm like, what's, what's going on there? At least that's where I'm going to start my research. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, to be able to understand it. So I thought that was super interesting. Another little thing was that, you know, none of the three bedrooms over a certain size were, uh, sorry, most properties did not have views until they had, uh, until their three bedrooms are larger, which was another common, there's okay. another thing that let's, I noticed. Let's talk about that real quick. Yeah. So when you talk about views, uh, there's no, <laughs> I don't know how to say this. Um, there's no really such thing in Oklahoma. I mean, we are mountains in the technical sense only. Okay? Right. Yep. So they're big hills, um, but they're mountains in the technical sense. So when you see a view, it's typically something that's just higher up. So, I mean, it's a very, you know, I mean, it's a curvy, I mean, it's, you know, but y- a view is not important there. Most people don't have it. There are no lake views. There are no true mountain views. It's just not something that is 90% of them don't have any views. There's just nothing to view. Except, I mean, look at the window and you see woods. That's what you're going to see. But you're not yeah. going to see the typical Smokies or yes. that kind of view. It's just it's just not there. Yeah. So I, I can tell that that's a, uh, something that you have to fight against with uh, clients, I'm guessing. Yeah. So <laughs> the reality is that a lot of the, I mean, if you just go and look at the top performing properties, the vast majority of them, or pretty well everybody, doesn't have a view, right? So then therefore it does right. not matter, right? So I agree with you on that. Um, just wanted to point out that it was, I thought it was interesting that it didn't show up till three bedrooms. So for whatever reason, two bedrooms didn't have that. But uh, uh, the other thing I want to point out that has to deal with numbers is kind of the last one I think I have here. 
is the uh, one bedrooms do significantly better than the studios. So, the, but there's only a handful of studios, but there is like a very clear difference between the two, um, between a one bedroom and a studio in the revenue potential of those properties. It just seemed like a lot of the studios were older builds, maybe like nobody's building studio cabins anymore. And I'm not surprised by that because the studio cabins are not a common thing. The one bedrooms seem to be like the newer, nicer sort of properties and the revenue reflected that very clearly. Yeah. Not so sure. our one our one bedrooms, and as you mentioned earlier, a lot of them are pretty big and then they're a thousand square feet. They're, you know, yeah. you know, 900, 800 square feet. They're not 400 square feet. Um our one bedrooms, there are one bedrooms that outperform two bedrooms. So uh, we are a huge one bedroom community. Um, a yep. lot of couples, a lot of small families, a lot of our one bedrooms do have a loft. Um, you know, there's one on the market now that's $600,000. It's on two acres and it's doing $97,000 a year. Yep. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a big deal. Our one bedrooms are huge. So a lot of the SES clients are starting with a one bedroom doing really well and then buying another that's a little bit bigger. But our one bedrooms are, they're booked constantly. We're an all year round place. This is one of our, we get really busy in the fall. So mm -hmm. one bedrooms are definitely really, really good in Broken Bone. That's something that a lot of the clients that have bought in the Smokies or other areas they don't really understand it. And what once they do it, they're like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, I'm so glad I did this and, and got a one bedroom. Yeah. I, I, I mean, the data clearly shows that because they, I'm looking at 27 properties right now that are all doing over 75,000 as one bedrooms, which is a, a lot for a market. Right. And they, they're, yeah. they're up in, it's not just like a hand, like it's not like majority are doing 70 either. Actually, fewer are doing seven, fewer are doing 70 out of that 27 properties I'm looking at. And and then the one bedrooms, you know, or sorry, the two bedrooms are not like significantly higher, right? So there's not like this huge jump from one to a two. So I agree with the the fact that the one bedrooms um, are doing really well. The data clearly shows that. And again, it comes kind of comes back to that romantic getaway for couples going out to that area and wanting a place like this. But also those one bedrooms are just absolutely beautiful. This is actually an interesting thing because uh, a lot of the times. I can find there's sometimes where I find these properties that are one bedrooms, they create this romantic getaway and the properties really aren't that luxurious, right? Like it's almost like it's, they're only paying because it's a romantic getaway. They're not paying because it's a luxury property. Whereas with a lot of these one bedrooms, they are these higher end properties that are worth the amount of money that you're paying on that nightly rate to be actually staying at, right? You're getting high end for, you're getting a high end property along with your romantic getaway. So it makes a lot more logical sense that people would be willing to pay, you know, whatever that costs on a nightly basis. So, which is interesting. I just realized that as I was talking about it, but anyways, those are, that's everything that I kind of noticed about the area. Uh, I think if I was going into the market, I would stay up in the, the Hoochatown area. I hope I said that right. Hoochatown. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I'd be looking up there. I would definitely be, you know, studying the one bedrooms and then I'd also be looking into the two bedrooms that had a lofted space. Um, and I would be without a doubt trying to figure out a way to create <clears throat> a better experience than what everybody else has around me. That would be more desirable, focusing in on more of the amenities and trying to one up people that way. Uh, and then lastly, I had one other thing I want to add in there and I can't remember it. Oh, well, I can't remember it. So it wasn't that important <laughs> is what it is, but that's what I'd be. Oh, sorry. There are some cabins that look a little bit older, right? Like you can tell there's some that are older in comparison to the other ones. 
I didn't get to do this, but what I would have done if we were going to that market is I would have studied the older looking properties to understand what their revenue potential would have been because they're a fraction of the cost in comparison to the brand, brand, brand new builds. And so I would have seen like, what is the potential with those ones? Because they're they're definitely making less money, um, but I don't know how much less. And so I would actually have, would have compiled a list of all the ones I would have considered to be older, even though they're not that old, and seen what their revenue is, and then compared that directly to the price of those properties uh, for one bedrooms and three bedrooms and all those different things. So just for anyone well, who wants to do that research project. Yeah, 2005 nowadays, I mean... We don't like to realize this, but 2005 is almost 20 years ago now. <laughs> yeah, so it is. is, you know, technically a little bit, not old, but a little bit older, like a 2015 or a 2019 build is going to look vastly different than a 2008 or 10 build. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think that's, that's very interesting. Yeah. So one thing I want to mention is that we have a pretty diversified group of people that come to Broken Bow. I mean, you know, the bigger North Texas has gotten and Dallas has moved North the bigger broken bow has gotten, but we do get people from everywhere. So you get a pretty good swath of people that want different things for the longest time, the longest time, it's all relative. For the last couple of years, everybody wanted uh, modern, you know, all the windows, glass, all those kinds of cabins. Now we're kind of, re it's reverting back to more of a cabiny cabin. So it, it doesn't really matter which one you like personally or, you know, the the buyer, what you like personally. If you want something that's more cavity or you want something that's more modern, either one of them will do well. So you have people that really do want that rustic kind of, you know, really cabiny getaway. And then you have others that want that more modern feeling place. So we get every, we get all those people I think the biggest thing with Broken Bow is, like you said, John, amenities, people doing things to their cabins. But the biggest thing that I see that our clients capitalize on is just answering people's questions, just being available. Um, I cannot tell you how many times they've gotten reservations because they somebody tried to book with a management company and nobody answered them. Um, a lot of these management companies only have it on, and even other people, they only have it on one or the other, Airbnb or Verbo. It's not both. So I'll, I'll find cabins that are doing really well, and they're still not on one or the other platform. So that's just another boost. Mm -hmm. So there's all kinds of things in this market that people just aren't doing that with just a little bit of attention, they're they're doing extraordinarily well. Yeah. I mean, there's clearly money to be made in this market. Right. So uh, just about finding the right property at the right price to ensure that you're not overpaying and you're doing all the things that you need to do to make sure that that property is going to be able to beat the competition and be able to cash flow. So I agree with everything you're saying. There's just all there's a, a whack load of these little things that could be done. All right. So there you have it. So guys, if you are ready to buy or maybe start looking with Kathy and Broken Bow, you can email us at agents at the shorttermshop.com and we'll get you connected with her. Or if you want to just ask some questions, learn more about it and network with other short-term rental investors, you can join our public Facebook group. It's the same title as my book right behind me, Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. Join that on Facebook and come hang out with us. Or we have a live Zoom call every Thursday where we answer any of you guys' questions on short-term rental investing. And you can sign up for that at strquestions.com. Catch you on the next one.